The oil and gas industry is being transformed by new developments in data science and technology. In this podcast, we interview top industry experts at the forefront of oil and gas development, operations, investing, and analytics. This is Energy Tech Talk, and these are your hosts, Ted Cross and John Ludwig. Hey, Kieran. Welcome to our Tech Talk interview series today. Uh, first off, for, for our new listeners or people who don't know you yet, can you give us a little bit about your background and how you came to work at Novi? Yeah, so I work on the sales team at Novi currently. Um, I did my PhD in geology of physics at UT here, and then um, worked in sort of social media, uh, data engineering, data science, things like that before starting at Novi as a data scientist for a couple of years, and then finally switched over to more customer-facing problems. Um, so. I've been a little bit on sort of the internet side of the industry, as well as the oil side of the industry, and both in technical and uh, sales roles. So um, I understand the problems that we're talking about here from a very first-hand basis. Yeah, so you've spent a lot of time actually building data sets and models for our customers, correct? That's right. So what percentage of you know your time would you say for a machine learning model, whether that's in oil and gas or in some other industry, would you say is taking taking up actually putting the data set together rather than running the model and reviewing the results? Yeah, I think if you're really starting from scratch, you could be looking at 80 to 90% of your time and building machine learning processes, just cleaning up data. And that in oil and gas will be some combination of mixing up your private data with whatever public provider you have. Um, if you think about Wellheader files, production, and um, subsurface, they're just com- three completely different data structures, and you're going to have to manually build a table together uh, that represents those three uh, crucial categories of data somehow, and that that's just something you can't get around. In the internet industry, um, you have similar issues where you are logging maybe millions of smartphones, and you're going to have to find a way to coalesce that data together and make it something sensible before you can't even start to think about training a machine learning algorithm. So it's a similar um, structural problem. The, the kind of the diversity and scale of the data is different for both industries. But um, either way, if you don't design a automated solution or process behind this, you could end up spending a large majority of your time just uh, dealing with data wrangling. Can you give us an example of some of the domain-specific calculations to oil and gas that are really required to build a machine learning model? Yeah, if you think about something simple like um, your production of a well versus how much profit was used to complete it, right? So that production of a well is going to have a time series data structure, and that time series is probably going to be downloaded from a public source or even your internal um, database in calendar days. And, and then your uh, <clears throat> profit is going to be listed on some permitting form uh, as some large number in terms of pounds. Now, you probably are going to want to lateral length normalize that. So then you have to bring in the lateral length of the well, potentially from a directional survey, and normalize both numbers by that. And then you also have to create an apples to apples comparison of all your wells. So you're going to have to convert those calendar days to flowing days. And then finally, bringing in subsurface, that is just a spatial grid across a map of the Earth. And so you're going to have to figure out a way to assign the porosity value that you have in your subsurface model to that one single well, boiling it down to one number and some intelligent way to do that. So those are three very different data structures that you're going to have to figure out 
some way to coalesce into one single table if you want to, you know, either train a machine learning model or just do kind of simple descriptive statistics. Yeah, that's a great point, Kieran. And, you know, we've, uh, we'll commonly come across customers who will kind of ask us whether or not they need to do the subsurface extractions to the wellbores themselves uh, because it can take them days of uh, a geologist or geotech's time to do those type of extractions. That's something that happens automatically in our data engine software. So you don't have to worry at all about, about doing those uh, you know, spatial extractions of the subsurface to, to, the, uh, to the horizontal well bores. I'd like to ask you about another uh, data type um, and that is spacing. And really spacing is something that you have to, it's obviously essential for uh, our customers whenever they're attempting to analyze the production of these horizontal wells. Once we did a spacing comparison with an operator who was uh, calculating their spacing by uh, measuring everything by hand in a GIS platform, can you talk about how our spacing calculations are done automatically in Data Engine and you know, how that can save a lot of time for people who are kind of doing this with the point and click method or even something that's a little bit more advanced than that? Right. So this kind of blends in with our theme of combining these data sources that have totally different structures. Um, so if you think about spacing, probably where you want to start is a directional survey. That directional survey now has thousands of rows for each well as you're tracking the well through the subsurface. And that is going to be now a whole new data type. And it's a big data you know, category in, ter in terms of the number of rows generated. It also is, does not conform to the header file at all because the header file will have one row per well and your survey is going to have thousands. So what we do is we first look at the surveys independently and then we use those to figure out where the heel and the toe of the well is. And then we track these distances between neighbors. So we track both staggered neighbors, vertical neighbors, horizontal neighbors. And then crucially, our spacing is taken at snapshots in time. So if you just look at a map of all of the wells in your acreage and you start to draw lines between your sticks, you could be drawing a line between a well that was completed in 2015 and a well that was completed in 2019 when what you really want is that well that was completed in 2015, you want to know the spacing through time. So you wanna know what was it like in its first month of production, its sixth month of production, first year, second year, things like that. So our spacing calculations both incorporate those directional surveys and then generate you a time series of spacing history for each well, which is really the way that we have to understand the problem. Yeah, thank you for that. It's, it's a big, big challenge. Um, I want to talk about the data management problem because that's something that when we go out there, we talk to operators these days, something they a lot of times will really struggle with is managing, handling, organizing, merging, and joining across you know, their data, subscription data. Uh, maybe they have data across multiple assets that's held in different schemas. Can you give us a you know uh, an example of just how bad this data management problem can get and how that can can affect your your model building? Yeah, let's say you're an operator and you have acreage positions in two basins, and you also are you understand the value of data, so you pursue trades with other companies. So now we're already dealing with three different sources of sort of production data potentially that are not going to be conforming to the same structure. 
So that's your, your Midland production, your Delaware production, and then your Midland trade production that you got from another company. And that's only assuming you did one data trade with one company. And then you're probably also paying a hefty amount of money to one of the uh, third-party data aggregation services because you want to know the um, production of all the public data wells that you don't have proprietary access to. So now we're dealing with four different production sources, all with different structures, and you're going to have to get them in the same place. You're going to have to have a uniform way of understanding the flowing days for all of them. And then you're going to also have to make sure all the units are the same. And then you're going to have to make sure that everyone uses the same API number format if you ever want to join those to a header table or a survey. And then also you, you also need a way to extract those geogrid locations. So our data engine platform does all of that with simple uploads. So you would basically take all of those four different files, upload them in, and it would create for you that unified file so that you would never have to go scrambling around wondering how do you like find that production for that well uh, that's you know operated by a different division in your company that operates that asset or or um, you know that other company gave us those data trade wells and like no one really understands the format they're in or we forgot something like that. Yeah. So I mean the most egregious version that we've seen of that is as operators, this has actually happened. Uh, not being able to get their own data to run through a model. And so just passing us a third party subscription data to use instead of uh, relying on their hard earned, hard earned uh, internal data, which that, that, I, that did actually happen. Right. So, so you're the operator, you drill the well, you generated that data. Obviously, the oil is worth something, but the data is worth something too. Um, you know, so that's part of what you get out when you drill a well is you get the, your proprietary data around it. And it's, and it's just a huge waste to have that data and not use it and just use the same um, less accurate public version for the production of that well when you have a competitive advantage and that you have the true daily numbers for that well. And, and to not use it because you haven't gotten your data management order is just a, a huge lost opportunity. Yeah. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about what actually comes out of data engine, you know, when the customer finishes arranging everything, building out all of their, uh, you know, mappings and units and all, all the stuff required to merge and blend all that data. Right. So what comes out of data engine is basically a simple table that you could load into like Microsoft Excel. And it is one line for each well. And then the columns will correspond to those major categories that I was talking about. So um, you'll have the processing of the directional surveys. You'll have the exact location of the heel and the lateral length process out of the directional survey. You'll have uh, that production time series for oil, gas, and water. And that'll be in terms of flowing days. And we'll also give you the calendar date. So you'll have you know, cumulative oil at 90, cumulative gas at 90, so on and so forth. And that can go on in you know, whatever day increments you want out to however many days you want. And that's each production number will have its own column. You'll have the header information. So that'll be your total propent use, total fluid use stages, things like that. And then you'll have um, your subsurface information, which will be spatially extracted from the grid and then assigned a value onto each individual well. And with the headers in the production, I think one of the big advantages is that if you do have multiple sources, see if you have your private data as well as the public data subscription, 
you'll get a unified column which represents the best you have available to you. So when it when it says total profit, it'll look to your private data and then look to the public version of that and then give you the number that you kind of gave it in order, the number that you have highest confidence in. So um, it's a way to kind of answer the, the quality quantity trade off and get everything in one place. Yeah, that's a really important value of, uh, of data engine. Um, so talking about value for customers, we see data engine really bringing kind of two main ways of adding value. Uh, first is huge time savings where, you know, you don't have your very highly paid engineers, techs, analysts, uh, IT staff putting together these data sets and spending, you know, weeks assembling things. Instead, you're really, it's like, you know, something you can do in an afternoon. Could you describe, I know we recently had kind of set a new, a new record uh, for, for data sets uh, now that we built data engine. Can you tell us about that one? Yeah. So recently we had a large permanent operator come in and it was, very similar to the situation I described before, where they have their own private data in two basins. They have data trade data, and they have multiple public subscriptions from third-party data providers. And the first thing we had to do before we could even start talking about making a machine learning model is coalesce all that data into one table. And we basically were able to turn around for them um, a totally managed data file uh, with all of the metadata tracked as well, which is available to the user in less than a day. And so now that entire company, nobody will ever have to ask the question, hey, like, how do I get the production number for this well? Or does anyone have any clue where to find the directional surveys or things like that? Everything will always be in one place for anyone in that company to see. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty compelling value proposition you've just laid out there. Um, so tell me, is this data engine, is it something that's just for use for the Novi models or you know, can, can the users use the data for, for other purposes? Well, luckily data engine is one of those things that we designed for a purpose and then ended up having way more purposes. So we designed it for the purpose of, you need to have your data management system in order and analytics ready data sets if you want to make a machine learning model. Now, the ancillary benefit, which is actually a huge benefit you get out of this, is once you have all of your data in one place, you can use it for descriptive statistics. You can do spatial mappings of this data. You can do all sorts of data analysis type of functions as well as build machine learning models. So that makes the data engine product actually uh, provide a utility to much more functions within a company um, than the machine learning side of it, which is you know also important. But... Um, now you can have geologists understanding the interaction between subsurface and spacing and production altogether because they don't live in a data island anymore and the silos have been broken down and they can look at everything and how all of these things are playing um, across each other because it's not just if I raise my completion by this much, how much more am I going to produce? That question is hugely contextualized by what kind of rock you're in and how you space those wells. So you have to think about everything together. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Really what you're talking about is just getting the maximum value out of the data 
uh, today. So yep. no need to spend months or years, huge amounts of time uh, arranging, joining, doing all those complex things, but uh, do it fast and get to that maximum value for, for your, your hard-earned hard -earned data uh, today. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the way that a manager in an oil company should think about this is just as waste. If you have data and you are not getting the max value out of it, it is being wasted. And, and that is, you know, just as much of an economic waste as pumping profit into a well that you didn't get any uplift from. It's, it's, you, it's money going down the drain. Which we can also help you out with. True, true. <laughs> uh, okay, great. Well, Kieran, thanks for your time today. Lovely Hawaiian shirt. Um, it's, uh, I guess it's pretty much summertime here in Austin already. So time to, time to bust out the Hawaiians. All right. Good talking to you, Ted. Thanks. You've reached the end of another episode of Energy Tech Talk. If you enjoyed today's episode, visit our website, novalabs.com for more content and resources.